This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. Well, we, we have been talking about the purpose of God, the plan of God. What is it that God is trying to do? How does God create and shape His purposes in us? We said early on that the purpose of God is not a mystery. It's not a surprise. God's not holding the secret behind His back and waiting for some time to reveal it, but that God invites you to dig in and explore and discover the mysteries of God. And, and no matter whether you are a believer or not, there are these moments in life when you wonder, why am I here? What am I supposed to do with my life? What, what am I supposed to do with these years that I have here on the earth? And we think that that's coming clear to us as we look at the life of the man in the Old Testament by the name of Joseph. Now, I would remind you of a principle that you should not lose as we, as we do this every week and as we do it, regardless whether I'm doing it or someone else is doing it, when we are teaching the Word of God that a steady diet of God's Word over a lifetime builds a healthy soul and mind. It's, a, it's the steady diet of God's Word. It's like the little girl that returned from the first day of school. And as she came in the door, she had a rather dejected look on her face. And her mother said, well, did you have a good day your first day? She said, apparently not. The little mother said, why not? She said, I have to go back tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Well, such is the case when you are learning God's Word. It's a steady diet of God's Word over a lifetime. That builds the healthy soul and mind. And I hope that we are learning through this experience that God is forging an incredible moment for us. You may not see it now, but even in the most difficult and challenging environments of your life, what you're living through right now, God is forging something in you that is powerful. You know, I think sometimes we can get confused. We do often. I know I do. We would wish that our life were free from adversity. We would hope that we would never have sorrow or grief. That our lives would somehow be happier and more fulfilled if we didn't have so much trouble. None of us want sorrow, pain, or suffering. But it is important for us to remember this morning that everything that we love about God Everything that we value about our relationship with Him came to us during a time of adversity. But the things that we remember the most, the things that have shaped us the most, came to us in the hardest places of life. Because the hardest places bring out the best in us. Don't forget that. The hardest places bring out the best in us. So when we left Joseph last week, or two weeks ago, he was on his way to Egypt because his brothers had betrayed him. We, we spent that time talking about what it meant to be betrayed. 
to be disappointed in what people say, do to you. And how you allow that to affect you and how words can attach themselves in ways that drag down your spirit and cause you to think things that are not actually true. I don't want to run past the betrayal of Joseph's brothers to the point that you miss this idea that when Joseph was sold into slavery, he is on his way to Egypt and he, there's two things that you cannot miss. Number one, he does not know what is about to happen to him. He does not know what's going to take place and he does not know if or when he will ever see his father again. So on his way down to Egypt, his life is filled with uncertainty. And I need you to understand that there is, there is some element of uncertainty in life that is a good thing for you. I have always been attracted to Paul's phrase in Acts chapter 20 when he says, I am on my way to Jerusalem and I don't know what's going to happen to me there. I don't know. It's in those don't knowing moments that we develop a sincere and genuine trust and dependence on God. It's when you don't know. You don't know how the test is going to come out. You don't know how the biopsy is going to come out. You don't know what's going to happen with your next paycheck. And so you learn how to trust and depend on God, understanding that those circumstances do not ultimately control what happens to you. They're just circumstances and experiences that you are living through. So let's stand for the reading of God's Word in Genesis 39, beginning with verse 1. Genesis 39, beginning with verse 1. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders... He was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Now, I'll, I'll talk more about this maybe later, but there's something there that I don't want you to miss. Potiphar needs somebody to be a servant in his house. So there is an auction going on somewhere that he's aware of, and he goes and stands among those who are going to purchase these people. Standing there that day, that night, whatever it was, he has no idea how his life is about to be changed by his decision to bring Joseph to his house. And what I need you to hear me say is you stand here this morning, you may not have any idea what you're going to do tomorrow. You may not have any idea about the decision you're about to make today about how you're going to process your challenges. It's the same thing Potiphar's going through. Now, with hindsight, you can look back and say, oh, the best thing he ever did was, was to hire and bring Joseph into his house. But he doesn't know that here. Verse 2. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. This pleased Potiphar. What? That he recognized that the Lord was with Joseph. That this was no ordinary kid. This wasn't just some guy. That there was something about him. There was an anointing on his life. That in spite of where he was, he was still anointed. 
You'll get that. Hang on. So he soon put Joseph in his personal, made, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He, Potiphar, put him, Joseph, in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. From the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All of his household affairs ran smoothly. His crops and livestock flourished. Verse 6. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food he was going to eat. You can be seated. Three times in that passage that I read to you, you read these words. The Lord was with Joseph. Continually, the writer said, God blessed Potiphar's house because of Joseph. And it leads me to suggest to you that you and I must always remind ourselves that God is always with us even in the hardest places. Even in the places where you don't want to be. Your life can have a positive impact even if you're in a tough spot. For example, maybe you hate your job. Maybe you don't like the job that you have. Maybe you've tried to find another place and you feel like you're stuck in a dead-end job that is not bringing any satisfaction to your life. Do you know that even in a dead-end job, you can be a blessing? Maybe you don't like your neighborhood. Maybe you, you don't like where you live. Maybe you'd like to be in a different place, but you can't sell your house. You can't get out of that experience and you keep trusting and asking God to help you get out and you can't get out. But even in that neighborhood, God can make your life to be a blessing. It all comes down to one decision you have to make. The decision that you are going to be faithful to God in whatever circumstance you find yourself in today. I'm going to be faithful even though I don't understand it. Even though I don't know why I'm dealing with this. Even though I didn't do anything to deserve it. I'm still going to be faithful to God no matter what. Anybody feel that way this morning? Now be careful about raising your hand because you may in fact be tested on that. I want you to see three quick statements here. These are not, this is not the meat of what I want to say, but three very quick statements. Number one, the reason that we know this is that God views things differently than we do. What you and I see is not necessarily the way God sees it. And because of that, we sometimes get confused. God knows what Joseph does not know. There is a plan at work. Now, because you and I perhaps have read the end of the story, if you have, then you know this is all going to work out. But when Joseph is at Potiphar's house, he doesn't know that. He doesn't know, just like you. He doesn't know how it's going to turn out. He doesn't know how the treatments are going to go. He doesn't know whether or not the biopsy is going to be clean. He doesn't know how things are going to be on your job. And so he is forced 
to do something and that is to get up every day and commit himself freshly to God and say God I'm going to take care of what I can take care of and I'm trusting you to take care of what I cannot control and that's the story of Joseph because God views things differently than we do we just have a bushel basket of unanswered questions don't we Why are some people healed and other people aren't? Why did your mama get healed? My mama didn't get healed. I've been faithful to the Lord and yet I'm still having trouble with my finances. Why are some prayers answered and some aren't? Here's one I've been asked a good bit. Why didn't God stop the COVID virus? Why did God allow COVID to be rampant in the world. He could have stopped it. Yes, he could. But he didn't. Because God views things differently than you and I do. So how do, we, how do we make peace with that? And I've said this to you in a number of different ways. At some point, you have to make peace with the sovereignty of God that God is in charge and you are not. Second statement. Even when it feels like God is silent... He is never absent. You ever felt like your prayers are not going anywhere? Ever felt like God wasn't listening? Someone said to me last week, said, Pastor, I feel like every time I pray, it just bounces off the ceiling and comes back. Nothing's ever happening. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's the way you feel this morning. You've prayed, nothing's happened, nothing's changing. And the devil is tempting you to say, just stop praying doesn't make any difference that's even more reason to keep praying because just because it feels like God is silent the story of Joseph teaches us that he is not absent he is at work here's the third statement God has different purposes than we do now can we just be real this morning this is a room full basically of self-absorbed, selfish people. We all are. You know, it's like uh, a few years ago I had somebody come to me and said, I'm just so worried about what people think of me. I said, sweetheart, there ain't nobody thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. You know, we let our minds go crazy that people are always talking about us. No, they're not. They're talking about themselves. We live our life for ourselves. We have a very self-absorbed perception of life. It's our family, our job, our money. But God's on a whole different wavelength. His agenda is so much different. And one of the struggles is that we want God to be concerned about what we're concerned about. And God's like, I got so much more important things to get involved with than whether or not somebody's talking about you. You see, God's trying to get your lost husband's heart to be open to the presentation of the gospel. I thought about this week that if Jesus Christ were physically, now we know God's presence is with us always every time we gather, but if Jesus Christ were physically in Lake County, Ohio today, he's not here. He's not coming to our church. In fact, he's not going to any church. 
If Jesus is here, you know where Jesus is? He's out there trying to help a woman whose husband beat her up last night and giving her a word of encouragement. He's out there with a drunk trying to help him understand that his life has something more than a seeking of alcohol. He's trying to give a meal to somebody who's hungry or encourage a girl who's pregnant and scared to tell her parents what happened. His agenda's different. His, his priorities and purposes are different. And so it messes with our mind when God is not concerned always about the things that we're concerned. So here are three more things that I don't want you to miss. Number one, Joseph was a slave, but he never acted like a slave. You know, sometimes if you're not careful... You can make yourself in your own eyes to be a victim and forget that you are never a victim in the eyes of God. That regardless of what other people do, you are completely and totally in the hand of Almighty God. And Joseph lived that way. I don't know why my brothers betrayed me. I don't, I don't know why I'm in this house. I don't know why I can't see my dad. I don't know why my life has turned out the way it is. But I trust that God somehow knows something I don't know. And God loves me. I am loved by God. I am covered and cared for by God. Maybe I've never hurt so bad. Maybe I've never felt so alone. Maybe I've never needed so much. But you're my God. My hope is in you. And I trust you. I'm not going to live my life enslaved to my fears and my concerns. I'm going to live my life in a faithfulness to God that no matter where I am, I trust that God has me. Here's the second statement. Wherever Joseph's life led him, he worked hard. Now you're going to see this as we go through the story of Joseph, but everywhere he shows up, he's impressive. He's impressive. This Hebrew boy, when he shows up at your place, it changes the atmosphere in your house. It changes the atmosphere on your job. It changes the atmosphere in your jail because there is something about this kid. There is an anointing of God, a presence of God with him wherever he goes. You ever met anybody like that? Whenever you're with them, you just feel it. There's something about that person. There's something about their life. There's something about who they are. There's something about them that is different. And when they come into the room, when they get involved, the atmosphere is changed. That's what God wants to do with your life. Now you listen to this preacher this morning. That's what God wants to do on your job. That's what God wants you to do in your house. That's what God wants in your marriage. He wants there to be a uniqueness that allows His Spirit and anointing to be on you and change the atmosphere where you are. Now notice what happens. Potiphar figures out there's something about Joseph that's different. And because of that, he begins to recognize that this man has some kind of a gift 
So why should I withhold? I'm watching my bottom line get better and better and better because of what he's doing. The decisions that he's making. See, God's getting Joseph ready for a much bigger assignment. But in this place, oh, I feel the presence of the Lord. Can somebody hear me this morning? God's getting you ready for a bigger assignment. But in this moment, God's trying to figure out, will you be faithful when you don't understand? Will you be faithful when you don't know why things are happening? Can I trust you to be faithful to me? He worked hard wherever he was. You know what doesn't bring glory to God? Slacking. You know, when I was a pastor before, there were some women in our church who were waitresses. And they used to tell me all the time, I hate working in the restaurant on, Saturday, on Sundays. Because some of the meanest people you ever meet are folks coming from church. The worst tippers. The rudest people. See, that's, that doesn't bring glory to God. When you're on your job and you're working hard and maybe you have a right to be grieved. Maybe you have a right to be upset. And we live in a society that is absolutely consumed with getting our rights and getting our way. And I'm not opposed to all of that. But I am saying this, that there is a higher purpose. There is a deeper calling. And that is to walk with an integrity and an anointing of God on our life that allows the Holy Spirit to work in us wherever we are. It's not about me getting my way. It's about God getting glory. That was four of you. It's not about me getting my way. It's about God getting glory. Here's the third statement. God blessed Potiphar because of Joseph. Now, I'll probably say this somewhere later on, but here's the thing. God blessed Potiphar and he didn't even deserve it. And God's like that. Because we have it in our mind who God ought to bless, you know. Based on our criteria, God's like, I got a whole different criteria here. He's blessing Potiphar and Potiphar doesn't even actually deserve it. But he's got Joseph in his household and there's the anointing of God on his life. See, your husband don't even realize how, how special you actually are. Your wife may not actually understand what an important decision she made when she married you because there's an anointing of God on your life that fills the house where you are. And I don't care how hard they fight against the gospel. I don't care how hard they fight against your faith. They cannot stop what God is doing in your life. And you walk in that anointing. You walk in that presence of God. God is using you to change the environment where you are because you decide that you're going to be faithful. Oh, I feel him in the room. Some of you need to hear me right here. There's an anointing of God on your life that you have not yet recognized. And you have this attitude. The enemy has filled your head with all kinds of lies. But I'm telling you, God's anointing is on your house. There's a reason why you're in this, this family. There's a reason why God has placed you here. He's got bigger purposes, bigger ideas for your future than you could possibly understand. And he just needs you to be faithful. 
See, Joseph didn't even have to do any of the heavy lifting, did he? All he had to do was just be faithful. And God used his life. And God blessed the environments where he was. Psalms, Proverbs 16 and 7 says this. When a man's ways please the Lord, he causes even his enemies to be at peace. See, if you'll just be faithful to God, God will do the heavy lifting. If you'll just be faithful to God, if you'll just dig in there and say, God, I don't understand it, but I'm going to be faithful to you, then God will do the heavy lifting and God will change the environments where you are. So let's finish. Three statements, three observations. Three big ideas worth remembering. Number one, negative circumstances have no power unless you give it. Say it again. Negative circumstances have no power unless you give it. Because you have to choose how you are going to react to the circumstances of life. You have to decide whether you're going to be defined by what people say or by even your own mistakes or you can choose to live beyond them with a hopeful eye that God in fact will make all things new. Negative circumstances have no power unless you give it. Unless you buy into the lie of the devil that you will never be anything for God. That because of this, that, them, whatever it is, if you buy into that, then you relinquish your faith that God can change any environment. God can change any of us. look around the room this morning and I see people in our church whose story and testimony I know and it reminds me that there is no person there is no circumstance that is beyond the reach of God's grace there is no environment that can so muddy you up so scar you up so mess you up that God's grace cannot transform you into a trophy of his grace and God wants you to understand this morning that negative circumstances have no power over you. Number two, if you remain humble, God will exalt you. My grandfather, Henry Ernest Isaacs, my middle name is Ernest, and I'm named for him. We call him Papa. Papa used to tell me all the time, Son, you have to live with both feet on the ground. Well, when you're 13, you don't understand what in the world he's talking about. But when you get a little gray hair, you start understanding that the way life is lived, it's both feet right on the ground. 
humility that recognizes I am not my own. I didn't get here on my own. I'm not going anywhere on my own. I don't have any power except the power that God gives me to be who God has called me to be. I don't understand how I got here. You may not understand how you got to where you are. But the hand of God has been on your life. And down through the years, God has been shaping and guiding and directing. Well, we'll talk about it in a few weeks, but in time, you're going to figure out that the famine that comes to Jacob's household was the best thing that ever happened. Now, not when you're living through it, but when you look back and realize that the famine put us in the place where God wanted us to be. You couldn't figure out why your house didn't sail until you look back and realize that God didn't want you leaving that neighborhood. You, you didn't understand why you got passed up for the promotion until you look back and realize that you were in the right place at the right time and no promotion could take the place of God's purpose for your life. There's something about just deciding that I will not let the circumstances of life define who I am and I will remain humble before God and allow God to do what only God can do. Here's the last one. Frustration with the process can sometimes blind me to the final outcome. Because this is where we live. Let's be real here. This is where we all live. Our frustration with the process blinds us to the potential of the final outcome. See, maybe you need to be reminded this morning, maybe I need to be reminded, that the final chapters of our lives have not yet been written. You know, I love to read. I try to read two books every month, and I love to read. And the way that books are most often books are, are, are laid out, every chapter builds to the next chapter. It would do you no good to open up a book and start reading chapter 6 because chapter 5 tells you why chapter 6 is important. There's a sequential order to the book. And that's why you can't take a snapshot of my life and look at year 34 and get the full picture. Because my life is much broader than that. And every year, every day, every trial, every hardship has been taking me somewhere. Everything I've encountered, every tear I've ever cried, every sorrow I've ever gone through, every moment of despair has been leading me to something bigger that God has for me. Now there are some chapters in my life that I would prefer they not be written. I wouldn't want you to know about them. But the truth of the matter is, there's something big out there in the future that's got my name on it. And I can't get there unless I decide to be faithful. In two weeks, we'll talk about the temptation that Joseph went on, that he endured. And I'm telling you, God's grace is sufficient. He will forgive you. But sometimes you make decisions that prevent you from going forward. 
And you have to make sure that you understand that the enemy's trying to block God's purpose in your life. And every moment is not about now. Every moment's not about this moment. There's a future that God is writing. And He's the one that's writing it. Your ex isn't writing it. Your lawyer isn't writing it. Your boss is not writing it. Your kids are not writing it. The baker's not writing it. The lawyers are not writing it. Your doctor's not writing it. It's God that's writing your story. It's God that's writing the chapters. And He knows the end. And He's going to get you there if you can just be faithful in the process. So let's finish. Come on, Jerome. If you've been around Lake Erie for very long here, I'm pretty sure you're aware of my struggle that I've been very open and transparent about. My struggle with Romans chapter 8. It's the most problematic chapter in the whole Bible for me. Sometimes I just avoid it. When I'm reading, I just skip over. Don't shake your head no at me because that's what you do too. I was talking to one of the guys at the church the other day and he said, I'll tell you, Pastor, when I get over to Leviticus, I just skim. I just skim. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I struggle with that chapter. Because there's so many things in there that just, they're hard. The hardest part of that chapter, the hardest verse is 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them who are called according to his purpose. Who love the Lord who called according to his purpose. I told Willie Morgan last Sunday. I had a revelation from God two weeks ago. I don't know if it resolves all my issues. But I sure feel better about it. Because I think I figured something out that I did not actually have figured out to this point. You see I think our problem is with Romans 8.28 is this. We, in fact, believe that all things work together for good. But our problem is we expect God to lay the good right on top of the bad right now. As soon as something bad comes, we want God to lay the good right on top of it. The problem is sometimes you have to wait for the good. It's coming. <laughs> Can you hear me? The good is coming. But you have to wait for it. You see, if you get frustrated because God doesn't lay the good right on top of the bad, you'll think God doesn't care. You'll think that God's not concerned about how hard your life has been, how rough your marriage is, how hard it is raising your kids, how hard it is to pay your bills, how hard it is to keep your mind straight. Because you need God to put the good on the bad right now. And God says, no, there's a process here. So Joseph's brothers betrayed him. You ready for this? It was 22 years before he saw his daddy. 22 years. You don't think he prayed on that wagon ride down to Egypt? 
and expecting somehow there'd be a caravan of horses coming up behind going, hey, 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 that's our brother. We made a mistake. And the good could be right on top of the bad. He could go right back home to his daddy. But nobody came. And days turned into weeks and weeks turned into years. Years and years and years. And that's where some of you are this morning. There's a son and a daughter you carry in your heart. There's a, there's a wound, a scar, a broken space in your heart. And you've been waiting for years for God to put the good on top of the bad. And you're still waiting. And if you get frustrated in the process, it can blind you to the outcome that God has. Because the day's coming, Edna. When Jacob's boys will come flying back up that road and they will run into that house and they will scream to their father, Joseph is alive. We're going to go see our brother. Our nightmare is over. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.